The information and opinions contained in this podcast are completely from the individuals at the point of recording. It does not reflect the views of the organisations and employers past, present and future. It is for information and entertainment purposes only. The producers make no representation or warranty as to its adequacy, completeness, accuracy or timeliness for any particular purpose and it is not necessarily indicative of the future or likely performance. Uncool is recorded on Audio-Technica mics. This is not some, hey, listen to me, you know, I've got so many great ideas, I'm going to make you so much money, you know, that kind of show. Uh, no, we are not that. It's also very uncool to talk about it. Yes, it's a very private matter to many people. I myself am kind of open about it. Like, uh, what are your rates? How much do you earn? How much do you spend? How much do you make? How much can I make? And how much don't you make? How much have you lost? So, you know, so this season we brought in a lot of uh, freelancers and we want to find out exactly what is their psychology of money, uh, you know, and of course, uh, perhaps we can pick up some important lessons along the way from other freelancers, lessons on wealth, greed and happiness, for example. So today we have a multi-talented, multi-hyphenate Deborah Tang, actress, corporate coach, as I have recently learned. She's also a real estate agent extraordinaire. The list goes on and on. She's very, very multi-talented. Huh? Thanks, okay. uh, thanks so for Deborah. having me, guys. <laughs> so Deborah, why don't you introduce yourself for everybody? Deborah, why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, so... Um... How do I introduce myself? Um, so I wear many hats. Um, most people know me as Deborah Ting, the actress. I also um, am a real estate agent. I am also a corporate trainer. I'm a life. I do life coaching. I am also a dancer. I dance quite a lot nowadays, and uh, I'm also a active advocate for marine conservation. And uh, what? What else? Uh, have I missed out anything? I am also a real estate agent. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I also direct. I also direct and and produce. So you need not only your ten fingers, but you also need to involve your toes, and you want to count how many things that part does. <laughs> yeah, even but, uh, I lose count sometimes. <laughs> so Deborah, let's take it away. What is your psychology of money, and what has it taught you about wealth, greed, and and happiness? Well, for me, my um, money is an enabler. It helps me um, attain the lifestyle that I want. So, um, so for me, it's never been about accumulation of money for the sake of having money, or, or you know, it, or, or or even to show off or anything. It's really about how it can actually free me to uh, live the life that I want. So that's that's really basically the way I my attitude towards money. Yeah, I think in the past, right, I had always been thinking about, you know, I tie in my success with money. And I think that is what a lot of people do as well. I mean, it's a it's a very measurable thing, right? How successful you are is basically how much you earn. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you say is, is, uh, is very real, especially in a place like Singapore where people do judge you based on the kind of car you drive, the kind of handbag you carry, what, uh, what's the brand of your shoes that, that you wear. So, I mean, people do judge you based on that. And actually, on, on some level, sometimes I do kind of like fall into the trap because I trained as an architect, right? And <gasps> I actually worked as an architect. And, um, and, and if I were to 
compare myself with my architectural classmates, um, no, I'm nowhere near them. I mean, like, I mean, in the sense that because actually I started my real estate career um, a little bit, well, a, a little bit late, I guess. I mean, I wish that I had actually start, started my real estate career a lot earlier. But of course, you know, as, as an actress, it's always about the passion. It's about, you know, I want to be an actor. I need to, I want to give myself the time to focus on my acting. I want to hone my craft. Um, but I mean, as one, as I got older, as I got wiser, I realized that actually it's so important to make sure that you are financially taken care of because that will actually free you to not have to accept every single project that comes your way because you're desperate for the money, you're desperate to, to take on the work. And it also frees you to actually um, begin to um, create the life that you want. And um, yeah, I mean, like what you said, Yen Ling, right? When if you want to measure yourself, measure your, your level of success based on the traditional yardstick as to how much money you have, then I would say um, perhaps I'm not, I'm not the most successful person. But I think in terms of um, my level of freedom that I have, uh, which is my own yardstick for myself, I, I'm pretty happy with uh, my life the way it is. And a lot of my classmates are envious of the life that I lead. Um, I mean, I am wealthy enough to afford everything that I really want in life. And I don't have the obligations, the, you know, um, the high mortgages I have to pay to, for my car, for my landed houses and, and, and ABSDs, whatever. So in a sense, I think um, being free is much more valuable to me than having lots of um, measurable kind of like yardsticks for wealth. Yeah. I mean, that's quite interesting is that you are matching your passion with, with reality in that sense. Yeah, yeah, that's very well put, Sean. Yeah, uh, yeah, sort of like that. Yes, agreed. So you have to find a practical way to let your passion continue. Absolutely, yeah. Recently, we had a um, training session, right, where we had met people who, solopreneurs, they're creatives in some ways. Uh, some of them want to start their own business. Um, and it was... Uh, a good mix of people who actually not a good mix uh, that, that was a pretty young crowd I think <laughs> that's why they had a lot of drive in them they had a lot of motivation and the question kept coming up you know I, I don't want to it's not about money it's not about money right? I really want to drive my passion but at the same time having gone through the the career path I, I'm not super experienced I would have to say but at the same time I do have a few years ahead of them I, I don't know I'm kind of torn when they say you know, it's I, not about money. I, I used to be exactly like them. I used to think exactly like them when I was younger and so passionate that it's not about the money. So I I actually quit my architecture job and I was I was getting a good pay. I was on um in a really good company, like a lot of people were trying to get the job that I had. And I had great bosses. I I, I love my work as an architect. And it was a very difficult position. I had to come to a point where I had to ask myself, do I want to pursue my passion and give up what I already have? I mean, I worked so hard, went through the whole architectural school and to get that degree and to land a really good job in a really good firm. 
And uh, and so it was it was a really difficult moment for me to actually say that yeah I'm going to give up this this amazing job to go and start my own theater company at the time and and be an actor producer um, because that was my passion <laughs> that was what I I so, believe so I was just like them how did you feel like honestly uh, how- right after I felt like it was the right thing to do I I just felt like uh, you know. I actually told myself I'd give myself um, 20 years and and I actually I always thought that I would come back to architecture because I did love it a lot and it was um I just felt like it was something that I really I, I really enjoyed doing and I, I love doing and it kind of suited my character as well um, architecture the, you mean the yeah the creative the creative side of it the ability to conceptualize spaces which I actually translated into my theatre career, right? So I, I actually created projects which were, uh, well, nobody had actually uh, done before back then. You know, com- a combination of my architectural the ability, conceptualized space, my dance background, my, um, my theatre background, my love for language and music. So, yeah, so I, I was able to conceptualize uh, shows like that. Um, Having said that, it was it was really tough because nobody had done that before at the time. So it was re- it was um, tiring trying to actually explain to people what I was trying to do and actually putting it together. And because people are not used to it, right? And I mean, and to be to be fair, I didn't really. I burnt out as well after that, um, and I I just didn't have the. Um, the energy, the stamina to keep pushing it through and also the financial payback was really not there. But of course the passion was there. I, I, I had this 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 imagination I wanted to make it come true. So the passion was definitely there. Do you do you wish that if you had the chance right now, you could go back to architecture in some way or form? I actually thought that, yeah, you know, I would come back to architecture eventually, but but then I, I never did because, you know, one thing after another, it just took on a life of its own. and yeah. But the passion was always there. It was always the driving force. I'm very close to my architecture classmates. Like I still meet them on a pretty regular basis. And they are also doing such great work. And, and you know, I'm so super proud of my classmates because they, they are really building Singapore. My classmates are, you know, urban planners. They are award-winning architects, you know, a lot of the projects in, in, in Singapore and even in the region that have won like really um, very highly acclaimed awards are by my classmates. So I'm incredibly pl- proud of my classmates and what they've done. Listening to you, Deba, it's occurred to me that money's greatest intrinsic value, at least to you, at least in terms of your psychology of money, is that it's really giving, it's really just, a, just, it's not so much what you can buy and what you cannot buy, it's really control over your time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've got enough money to buy what I need, buy what um, I, I want and, and I don't really want for a whole lot of stuff. So luckily, I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not the sort that says I need a Bentley to make me happy. So, you know, I'm quite happy taking Grab, you know. Like what Sean is saying, it can buy you a lot of things, but one thing it doesn't seem to be able to buy is time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they are very passionate about the work that they do as well. Otherwise, they would not. Nobody would become an architect in Singapore (laughs) unless you are really passionate about it, I think, because it's really hard work. I've heard from other architects. I don't think it's just Singapore. I think just in general. (laughs) 
Yeah, you wouldn't become an architect. Work. Yeah, it is also a big sacrifice of the the amount of time that you have to put into it, and the the practice of architecture is not just in the 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 things that we see the beautiful design in you know in our urban landscape, because a lot of the time that the architects spend on is actually firefighting is actually filling in forms is actually meeting with authorities to try and negotiate um you know a retaining wall negotiate you know a driveway or, or easement whatever so that that actually takes up a lot of energy and time that people don't realize but people see the beautiful you know building at the end of the day and they think that oh well i could do this but a lot a lot of time and and, and work goes into it every single project over the years, right? How do you think your perception of money has shaped your career? Then, um, I think when I was younger, I I I felt like I didn't I didn't need money to make me happy, and as I got older, particularly after I got hit by a car, so I actually went to London. Um, I was very very lucky to to actually um get to study in one of the best drama schools in London, uh, Mount View. So um, right after I came back from my um, my PG my my postgraduate um, studies in in Mount View, I got hit by a car. Do you even remember the accident? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, oh, as in like what happened? Oh, the last thing I remember was that looking at the car and thinking he's too fast for me to jump out of his way, and then boom, oh, damn. I, I was gone. And then the next thing, when I open my eyes, I see people on the overhead bridge all looking at me and all the people all surrounding me and people trying to keep me awake and you know prevent me from like apparently if I like like go to sleep I may not wake up no, it, it's a good thing you didn't get thrown to oncoming traffic as well yeah but all my organs and my brain inside probably got a bad you know Shaken, like uh. put through the, the blender <laughs> oh wow wow yeah. oh, but there's still there's still like quite amazing in and of itself I mean <laughs> yeah. it was not fun well, what happened to the driver Oh, the driver got charged. So when I opened my eyes, I could hear somebody say, uh, long tiu lang liao, long tiu lang liao. That's why I don't know what he looks like. All I, could, all I remember was that it was a red car that was uh, coming my way. It was always a red car. It was always a red car. <laughs> it's always a it's red car. It's got to be a red car, yeah. Completely sidetracked. I, I got hit by a bus before. So, no. So, yeah, I did. So, so what? You're just trying to level up. I was not yeah, even thinking. No, no, I was walking the street. I was reading a script. I got and I got, I got banged. I flew. I stood up and I was like, walked to the guy. I was like, what? What the? Have you doing? So th- th- that that's the more the story. You do not uh, read when you cross the road. Yeah. But my point here is that road, you, know, you tend to remember these things when you get knocked by by cars or buses and so on. I think the driver lost his job because I did write into the corporate comms later and be like, "Hey, oh guess goodness. what? Your bus driver did." Shut up. I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. <laughs> okay. That anyway. guy probably has got like five children. That's depending uh, well, on his. Well, it was salary. green. The light was the. It was green. I was walking across the street. It was green. It wasn't red. And oh, it just okay. Died. Okay. No, I mean I. I, I, yeah, I want to know. I mean, not not everyone gets hit by a car. Sorry, I'm not I'm not joking. But <laughs> so apparently, I flew from like you know when the car hit me, I was a pedestrian. The car hit me. I flew and landed on my head, so I suffered internal head concussion. So I couldn't balance for one and a half years. And when I oh, came back grief. from the UK, I came back armed with like a whole stack of plays that I wanted to produce. And um and I was in the middle of actually producing one of the plays. I was like, okay, I'm going to produce this one and. And I was already, you know, like talking to people and working and doing uh, readings and all that. And then when I got hit, I couldn't balance. I was like, 
re- during rehearsals, I walked a few steps and I'm like, okay, I, I, I'll fall over or I need to hold on to something. So it was very inconvenient and, um, but managed to still get that, get that show um, through. I started to clamp up and didn't want people to know that I got hit by a car because I was so afraid that people were not going to call me for work. For, especially since I ke- just came back with a, with a you know, postgraduate in, in, in acting in, from, drum, from, from Maldiv and I was excited to like finally be able to put some of my, my studies, you know, my learnings from London to good use and, and then I got no work for, for a long time. And not being able to balance kind of like really affected my my self-esteem in being able to go out for work as well. And that was really sobering because um, I realized that as a freelancer, I had no insurance. I had, um, and I didn't have a lot of savings because, you know, I just, I've always felt you, like... You spent your money in London. Yeah, I, yeah, I had such a great time and, and I was on scholarship, so I was quite lucky. I didn't have to spend a lot of money. But, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't think about saving money, which I probably should have because, I mean, I probably should have used the scholarship money to invest in something because, you know, it was actually a decent amount of money. But instead, I just lived a really good life when I was in London and I came back and I realized that I had very little savings, no insurance, and I got hit by a car and I couldn't work. So that actually was the, I guess, in a way, a turning point for me in the way I, I, I think about money. I realized that, oh my God, I really need to be an adult and think about things like retirement, like things like, you know, what's going to happen to me. Think think about things like buying um, my, own, my own flat. I mean, do you think was that I, I was I was kind of like always quite wishful thinking that oh yeah you know things will work out and but when I got hit by a car it was it was scary and then I thought okay what do I do now um so that's when I got smart and and decided to find to get a full-time job and um part of it is also because I thought that it's important that I have a roof over my head and I think that's something that's really important to prepare for because if you're lucky enough to live with your parents, then that's great. You don't need to worry about having a roof over your head. Um, but if you want to like gain some level of freedom, like I did back then, so I needed to think about and plan about how can I afford a roof over my head. And in Singapore, we're very lucky in the sense that we've got good quality housing, HDB, good quality public housing, right? And which is actually, um, at that time, very affordable. So one of the first things that I did was to get myself into a full-time job so that I can afford to get a loan to pay for my HDB. I mean, the thing about freelancers is that one of the challenging things about freelancers is that you, without a full-time job, banks won't give you won't loan you money they need to see like you know your your income so yeah so I think that's what I did which was I mean in a way is delayed gratification because a lot of people you know if I was still like passionate all about no it's about acting I don't I'll I'll be selling out if I go into a full-time job thing then I wouldn't probably be able to afford um to have this house is this great place that I have now and fully paid up so I have no no more loans yeah, I think what you just shared was, first of all, very sobering. I, I'm sorry you had to go through that. It's always something that triggers you to want to like stop freelancing. I don't know. It's like, in your case, it's, it's not getting hit by, by a car, which is, of course, not fun. And then for other people, it's always like, you know, I want to go, like, I don't know, buy a house. 
I want to go get yeah, honestly, married. Yeah, honestly, because I, you know, I, I want to buy a house like right now. I yeah. want to buy a house. And, that, and that, then and it makes you think, okay, easy. I'm going to stop freelancing. I want to go become a full-timer instead. And, do, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, I don't know, a path of leave assistance or something. Yeah, it's true. And, and <laughs> yeah. I think you can make it work, but you do need to plan and be a bit smart about it. You need to really... Um, and also, I think you need to be prepared for some level of delayed gratification as well, which is hmm. something that people need to think about and ask themselves whether it's something that they're able to cope with. We've been delaying buying our Tesla for the last 10 years. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's my GCB, you know, like, yeah, maybe I'll just wait another year or two before I buy my GCB. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so if you had it, so I mean, it think, it, going back to, to the psychology, if you hadn't, would you say that that, that car accident uh, incident really sh- changed or sh- uh, changed your psychology towards like money and shaped you to make the decisions to where you are right now. I think the car accident was definitely a huge contributing factor. Like right up to the point when I came back from Mount View, I was in a relationship. It, it it felt almost like a marriage because we were together for so long, and I thought we'd just be together for the rest of my our lives. And I and I think for people, okay, the other way to get that financial stability I guess is to marry you know find someone and marry so that you have that stability as long as they're also financially stable <laughs> exactly as long as they're not also another freelancer sorry two, two Sean freelancers together, <laughs> two freelancers together not a good idea yeah. I think that that's also one of the, the, the things that money does to you and the psychology of money how you use your money kind of shapes the way you think 98% of the world works but, but the reality is that it, it probably is like 0.00006% of the way that the world works. But to you, is thinking like, oh, this is how I use it. No, 98% of the world works like this. That is very cheem, Sean. Actually, I didn't think of that. <laughs> that that's really yeah. quite cheem. Um, I, I think, I think for, at, when I was in that relationship, I, I knew I was lucky. And people could see that I was also a lot more relaxed. I'll show up to a, 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 a you know an audition, whatever, and I'm always relaxed because having that psychological, uh, psych- psychologically knowing that someone's got my back, that I've got this rock, it really frees me up from actually you know, and I feel like without without that that forever person in my life. I always have that little bit of anxiety and I think people feel it as well. And I think it comes across and even like at auditions or whatever, like I'm a bit more, I'm not as relaxed and, and happy in, in a way, not having that forever person. Not that I'm unhappy, I'm actually really happy with my life. It's just that I know that I have to hustle, that, you know, everything that I do is, you know, I'm hustling. Yeah. But then at a certain, I, I think, why, why I ask? Because I think it's very relatable, right? I myself am, am in a relationship. Sometimes it's not, he also doesn't financially give me anything. But it's it's also a, it's a mental thing. It's an emotional mm. thing. But it's Absolutely. also knowing that if anything, and I'm lucky as well, you know, if anything happens, I can, uh, I, I do have a very close family that I can always depend on, right? Um, and who are, me being the, the, black sheep of the family uh, always going rogue um, and and freelancing they are a lot more financially stable than I <laughs> I am stable right now you know but they're always like if anything please come back to me so yeah, knowing that, that it's happens, so good to have to know that like that's that's your family it's got your back that if anything happens to you there's somewhere that you can go to yeah and I think that shapes the way that we do 
things like what you mentioned, Deborah, right? Yeah, it shapes your decisions and, and how you go about life. But okay, so back to you then, when you, after you, you did that, you went back to get a full-time job. And what, what job was this? So I became a, uh, a management consultant. The other thing about me is that, I, I, and I think for everybody out there, is that don't be afraid to, um, to do something that you may think that you have no experience in. But I mean, the thing is that I, okay, so basically, um, yeah, I just kind of like looked at the job description. And I was like, you know, I could do this. I, I may not have a business admin background, but I could do this. When there is a burning fire under you, you kind of like, you would be a lot more garang. And I, w- I would tell everybody, all your listeners, right? Don't be afraid to go into something that you think you have absolutely no experience in. I mean, ask questions. Ask what does this job entail? And ask your, be honest with yourself as well. Like, are you able to do it? Are, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do what it takes to do it and, and really succeed and do it really well? So you just walked in there with an acting degree and went straight for senior she management architecture. consultant. Yeah, architecture. so, I, I, I had, yeah, so <laughs> the architecture degree kind of gives you two degrees. You get a Bachelor of Arts and then you get the Bachelor of Architecture, oh, which is equivalent to oh, a Master in Architecture. Right. Yeah, so your first degree is a Bachelor of Arts. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Right, so, yeah, right, and, right, so I, yeah, and then if you can and make it back for the second part of it. Uh, usually, f- by by the time you you get a bachelor of arts, right, fifty percent of the people would have dropped out already. So, <laughs> like my class started with hundred and twenty. By the time we graduated, it was only forty something left that graduated the bachelor of architecture. <laughs> the yeah. The dropout so, rate so, is very so high. So it wasn't a. So it wasn't a. Hey, why is this actress coming to be a consultant? I guess. Yeah. I guess they they it all added up to. Uh, yeah, and as an architect, background. you actually you are a, a consultant as well, and you do. And architecture is actually it does prepare you for a lot of things because it's a very complicated uh, profession. You you do have to actually deal with a lot of different aspects from human, you know, from managing people to actually um, um, managing a project, uh, timekeeping, um, financial, you know, taking, making sure that you don't overspend. Um, it's, it's very, very complicated. And, you know, and, and also making sure that each, um, each part of the work, the mechanical, the, the electrical and all that, they all come in at the correct time so that you're not like hacking something because, oh, sorry, I forgot that this one needs to come in first, then just I'm okay. Sorry, sorry, okay, yeah, hack, hack, because that will cost money kind of thing. So, so it is, architecture is actually really complicated in that sense. I mean, the part that actually, uh, in the consulting company, the part that I actually did a lot of was, at the beginning anyway, I did a lot of um, service training. So in various, so at, so at first it was for, the Changi Airport. So I was putting through a lot of people um, to the Changi Airport. So I mean, in a sense that because the organization actually has a really good track, track record in terms of um, service consulting for service industry. So, um, so I just had to plug in and learn the material and, and, and do a lot of the training. I mean, eventually, of course, um, the work evolved and then I started to actually go into consulting and doing like customer service mapping and and touch point mapping and and things like that, which which um, yeah, so the work evolved and that that was just for the customer service part of it. And of course, there were other aspects, um, other areas uh, in that that I went into as well. 
So catch Deborah again on our next episode as we talk about how you can make your money work for you, especially for self-employed freelancers. If you want to hear from our other guests uh, coming up on our new episodes, you want to catch up on our old episodes, of course, just uh, drop us a like. Remember to click follow on the podcast, rate us five stars. Uh, do tell your friends about us and you know, do it with no worries because it is just cool to be uncool. Uncool is recorded on Audio-Technica mics. <laughs>